Lord God, we come before you. For there is no other God to gather before. There is no idol. There is no fictitious imagining of man that compares to the almighty God who laid the foundations of the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Who knit us together in our mother's wombs, who gave us life and then gave us life everlasting through your son, Jesus Christ. So we worship you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, real quick. You got pens, pencils? Make a list real quick. What are the top five things that make you who you are? Go. Top five things that make you who you are. What is it about your life that makes you who you are? Hopefully you got at least three. All right, that's enough time. Probably not, but hey, I'm going to move on anyways. Is it your job? Is it the fact that you're going to school for a certain degree or, or something like that? Is it your family? Did you write down your family? That makes you who you are? Is it a hobby? Is it a passion that you pursue? Trains, planes, automobiles, music, I don't know. Hopefully, you've written down Jesus as, as in, in the mix there. If you haven't done that yet, go ahead and throw that in there. The, the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Now, take that list and scratch out anything that is not going to continue on into eternity. After you pass from this world and you go on to be with Jesus Christ, scratch out anything that won't be there anymore. You're not scratching out. You all think you're still going to be a fireman, huh? <laughs> Most men and women, we, we put a lot of stock, we find a lot of our self-identity and value in what we do for a living. I do. But, but think about it. Nobody is going to need a pastor in heaven, are they? We're going to know as we are known, huh? Face to face. Maybe, maybe God will let me be a musician, but I have a feeling I'll reach into the case for my trumpet and God will say, whoa, 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 I got somebody who can do that. <laughs> Family? Our families will be there in as much as they have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, but even Jesus says marriage isn't a thing in heaven anymore like it is here on earth, huh? Family dynamics will be different. There are a lot of things that are significant on this earth that, that won't carry on, that won't last forever into eternity. They are important here. I won't deny that. But they won't go on into eternity, will they? The only things that we can be sure of that, that will go on with us into eternity is our faith. As, as we stand before our Creator and our Savior and our faith becomes sight. Our hope, as, as our hope becomes our reality. And love, as in the presence of God, His love for us and our love for Him will be perfected. It'll be perfect and it will be without end, won't it? But everything else on this earth, the breakfast you ate this morning, all these temporal, finite things, they, they have limitations. They are limited. They, they will. Whatever value they have will come to an end. 
So what then is the most important thing for us to live out in the here and now? What is the most important aspect of, of who we are, what we are, that's going to carry on for all eternity? Isn't it our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through our Savior? Isn't that what has the lasting effect and value in our lives and hopefully in the lives of those around us? That gospel message that, that presents everlasting life to those we know and those we love? So why then did God give me all this other stuff? Why did God give me a house and a car? Why did God give me skills and abilities? Why did God give me the job that I have? All of these things, all of these good things that God has given us on this earth are tools all that we've been given by God are, are ways and means to follow through on that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 call. To bear witness to the person and works of Jesus Christ here where we are, in the city around us, in the state, in the nation, in the world. To the ends of the earth is what he says, right? We, we have before us today four verses that are going to give us a snapshot of Paul in ministry and how he used the skills and talents that he had, his gifts, his abilities, to, to share the gospel. To share that gospel message with as many as he could, as effectively as he could. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Acts chapter 18 comes right after Acts chapter 17. Let's go ahead and stand up for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 18, verse 1, it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Simple, situational passage, isn't it? Just gives us a snapshot of Paul in ministry. So who was Paul? What was it that made him who he is? Was he a missionary who made tents? Or a tent maker who shared the gospel? Yes. Paul used what he was, all that God had given him in skills and abilities, to share the gospel message. To fill that gap between Jesus' ascension and the, the point where he returns. We are in that gap too, aren't we? Jesus is risen. He's at the right-hand side of the Father now it's time to share the gospel. He will return, and it will no longer be that time, will it? Here we are. Every earthly thing that Paul was, every ability, every ounce of energy that he had been given by God was a tool for him to, to work on the stewardship 
Paul likes that word regarding what he's supposed to do, that mission he was given by God to serve that gospel message, the stewardship that he had been given by God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. This is Paul speaking. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. We proclaim, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul toiled. He worked. Paul saw his job as a tent maker his skills and his ability in that area as an opportunity, something that he could use to connect with other people, to support the ministry of the gospel. And he used those skills and that ability and that job, that talent, as an example to us. Verses 2 through 3, it says, He found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. Because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Did Paul have to work? Did he have to do this? No. If we look at some other parts of Scripture, we'll see that Paul did not have to work. He had other churches who would give him support and even supported him while he was there in Corinth. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the Philippians and he thanks them for the gifts and the support of his ministry that they gave him. In the book of Corinthians, he wrote to the Corinthians later about how the Macedonian believers, probably including the Philippians or maybe the Philippians themselves, provided for him in his needs, in his times of need while he was in Corinth with them. There were those who were coming out of the woodwork to give to Paul to support this ministry so that he wouldn't be in need, so that the gospel could continue to go forth. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, it says, And when I was with you and when I was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained, and I will refrain from burdening you in any way. So Paul didn't have to work. He had people who wanted to see that gospel mission go out and would have supported him regardless. But working, being a tent maker, using his abilities in, in the trade that he had learned as a young boy when he was uh, learning, gave Paul an opening to connect with people that he might otherwise not have had the opportunity or ability to connect with on such a level. And so he connected with Aquila and Priscilla through a shared skill, through a shared vocation. Because of this work, he was able to spend long hours with them as they were sitting there, fixing tents, repairing tents, making tents, just spending time together. What would they have done? They didn't have smartphones, so they had to actually talk to each other, right? 
And so he was discipling them, mentoring them, sharing Christ with them. They might have already been Christians, but they had that opportunity for that discipling and mentoring relationship. And we see it coming out of them later as they are able to take someone named Apollos and mentor him. Verse 26 of the same chapter, chapter 18, verse 26, it says, he, Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they they took him aside. Same example that Paul set for them, huh? Took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Because that time they had with Paul, because they had that opportunity to learn from him, they shared in that tent-making work. They spent that time together. Then they pass on what they gained from him. They grew in their personal walk with Christ because Paul was willing to work just like anybody else, just like them, using his tent-making skills as a tool to make a connection with them that went far deeper than tent repair. He, He came alongside them through his work, to build them up in Jesus Christ. Our jobs, our our school, our, our hobbies, wherever it is that you spend time with people, it's a field. It's a field of discipleship. It's an opportunity for friendship evangelism, getting to know people where they are. Sometimes in the reality of where they are, even if it's not always a nice place, an opportunity to share life with them without moralizing them, but inserting Christ into the conversation. Let them see your faith at work, at school, wherever you might be. Let them know, let them see that you are a Christian in how you act, in the words you speak. Hopefully those two things should should line up, should match, so that they can see the validity in your faith as you are at work. That that your, your walk with Christ is more than just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. Christ didn't shed his blood on the cross for us just for Sundays, did he? Our, our, the places we go are our, our chances for us to pray for those who are in need. When they've learned that they can trust you and they, they can open up their heart to you in some way and they can tell you about a need that they have and you can offer them a glimpse of the hope that you have in Christ as you bring them before the Lord in prayer and you show them that through the blood of Christ you have the authority to draw them right before the throne of God. It's shocking to people who don't pray regularly when you speak directly to God. And they go, wow, I've never heard anybody pray like that. They've probably heard the the written prayers. They've probably heard the the obligatory uh, obligatory prayers. But when you really just right there pray for them, it, it opens a whole new world to them. A whole new understanding of how we relate to God through Jesus Christ, his son. 
If the opportunity pre uh, presents itself, sometimes maybe after you build that relationship with them, they'll open the door for you to speak the gospel just directly. They'll say, who is this Christ? What is it that you have? When they ask the question, you have an open door to walk right through. Let's talk at lunch. Let's talk after work. I know you can't just be proselytizing during work hours. You need to be a good Christian and work when you're at work, right? You need to be doing the job your employer has employed you to do. But at every chance, at every opportunity, use it. Use the time wisely, making the most of it while you still have it. Maybe there's somebody at work you'll connect with, and you'll find out that you're like-minded in Christ, and you can build each other up, encourage each other in your walk, and maybe you'll learn something from them. But we'll never know that unless we just let our faith be out there on our sleeve for other people to see. Use the time wisely. Your job, school, hobbies, they won't last forever. They are just temporary tools that God has given us for the sake of the gospel. We learn something of, of what Paul felt regarding his tent-making labors from, from several other passages in Scripture. Paul later wrote in 1 Corinthians that he had the right not to work. As he taught the gospel, he could have made his living from that alone, but instead he would rather become like anyone else in order to win them to the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So I, I chose some verses there to make the point here it says but i have made no use of any of these rights nor am i writing these things to secure any such provision in my preaching i present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel for though i am free from all i have made myself a servant to all that i might win more of them I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul made himself like anybody else in order to more effectively share Christ in their lives, be they Jew or Greek. Look at verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Paul wanted to share that gospel without any stumbling blocks for them. And so he worked very hard in order to support the ministry financially so that he could present that gospel free of charge to anybody that he could talk to. He didn't want to be a burden to them. His job as a tent maker was a means to connect with people and it was, it was a means to a gospel end in more than that, to connect with people and financially, because whether we like it or not, as long as we are in this world, it takes money to carry on the gospel mission. Let's just be honest. It takes money to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Missionaries don't fly to China for free. First Thessalonians Chapter 2, verse 9. For you remember, brothers, this is Paul again, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might be a burden, night might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. 
He worked to financially support the mission of the gospel. You and your family need to eat, don't they? It takes money. You need a place to sleep. It costs money. We need times of refreshing and vacating, don't we? Thank you all for coming back after the summer. It all costs money, doesn't it? It all takes finances. And it's the same for our church and our church family. Here at Alden Union Church, we present the gospel free of charge. No one who comes here has to give. It is not obligatory. We do not require a 10% tithe or earn any percent tithe for that matter. We are free from works of the law through the new covenant in Jesus' blood, right? If you're a visitor, we'd rather have you just sit back and, and worship with us. Don't feel like you have to put something in the offering plate in order to be holy. We are not saved by how much we give to the church. Please understand that completely. We present the gospel free of charge. We want to continue presenting the gospel free of charge from this place here at Alden Union Church. But we have to face it, don't we? That it takes money to keep the lights on. To have sound equipment so that you can hear my beautiful voice so very clearly. To have a pastoral staff that you have to listen to every Sunday, right? To support our missionaries, to carry that gospel to the ends of the earth, to go to places that you and I won't go to. The list goes on and on and on. If your home church, be it Alden Union Church or if you're visiting from somewhere else, whatever your home church might be, if it is a place that strives to declare the truth of God's word, if it is a church that proclaims the gospel that is unashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, support it. Give of your labor and toil. As somebody who already has eternal life in Jesus Christ, so that others can hear that gospel free of charge. We work so that the unsaved can be saved, so that they can have the same opportunity for eternal life that we have, so that our church can remain a presence in our community, so that we can continue supporting the missionaries, that the word of truth would continue to go to the end of the earth. Because all of us Every single one of us are called by God to participate in the proclamation of the gospel. But it's not just about giving money. Paul worked hard in order to connect with people on those deeper levels, spending that time with them, using that as an opportunity to share with them. He worked hard to support the ministry financially, and he worked hard laboring day and night, working with his own hands to set an example for all of us to follow. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul speaking again. I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. 
We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To, To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. I urge you then, be imitators of me. He, he, Paul, was an example to us of somebody who worked hard at his day job so that he could have the chance to deliver the gospel to others, to Jews and to Greeks, every Sabbath, reasoning in the synagogue, persuading them, trying to convince them of the truth of the scriptures, how that matches with the realities of life. Paul's job established him in his community, giving him a better opportunity to share every Sabbath in that synagogue. He had a long tenure when he was in Corinth. It's not just the professional pastor, clergyman, or or theologian to whom Jesus gave that great commission call, or that Acts chapter 1, verse 8 call that we've been talking about. God is called the plumber, the engineer, the contractor, the accountant, whoever you are, wherever you are, the one who labors day and night with their own hands, just as Paul did. Peter tells us that there's a universality to the priesthood of believers in the church body. And it's, it's a, we are a priesthood with a purpose. Every single one of us, a member of the priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, here's the reason, here's why he made you a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are all called to give reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We are all called to bear witness to the person and the works of Jesus Christ. We are all called to participate in this gospel movement to the ends of the earth, to fill the gap. If the church doesn't do it, who will? The local lodge? The local college? The the high school? Are they going to go out and proclaim Christ? Of course not. The pastors and the missionaries will do it, right? If we want to see revival in in the church, if we want to see another Jesus movement like we saw back in the 70s, we need to break this false dichotomy between the professional clergy and the congregation. We need to grab hold of the fact that this is a universal priesthood in which we all participate. Dale Loesch, I believe he spoke here in the past a couple of years ago. He wrote a book called A Better Way. And he works with a mission organization called Cross World. And they, they are looking at missions from a new paradigm. They, they are empowering and enabling missions through work visas. That means they're sending people with real jobs to places that need Christ. 
They're bringing economic strength to an area by creating business, creating jobs for the locals. And as you go in with that authority as a business owner and they accept you into their country and you have all that time with your employees, you have all that time in that job to share Christ, bringing the gospel right along with you, using the tent maker to spread the gospel kingdom. Can you imagine it? What if Christians started making Christians instead of waiting for somebody more educated or more prepared to do it? Do you remember Acts chapter 4? How educated were the fishermen and the tax collector? All those guys, those first 12, how educated were they? They stood before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin said, these guys are obviously uneducated. How did they learn all this? How did they do this? Look at what those guys have done 2,000 years later as we sit here, sharing the truth of Jesus Christ one with another. Can you imagine what we could do? In his book, Dale Loesch said, We have marginalized the vast majority of believers from actively participating in the Great Commission by essentially saying, You can pray, you can give us your money, and you can even take a short-term missions trip, but leave the full-time missionary task to us professionals. This kind of church participation is not what God has ever called us to. Having a building and and programs, being a presence in our community, and, and being a place where we can gather together and worship together, these are great things. Uh, according to Scripture, there is a place for the professional pastor. But they, I, cannot and should not take the place of the gospel call upon every believer. I will never be able to reach the same group of people that you can in your soil, in that sphere of influence lives that you have. A pastoral staff of six will never have the same effect on our community as as a spirit-empowered body of 450. You are that body, by the way. You know how many non-believers I typically get to encounter and deal with on a daily basis? here at the church, in my home where everybody's a believer, even back in California where my family's all believers, none. On a regular basis, I have none. How many do you have? How many people at work? How many people at school? I tell you what, there was a time not that long ago that I tried very hard to get an everyday job. And God said no, and he opened up this place. I thank God for that, but I sure wish there were days when I could be out there touching the lives of non-believers. You guys are there. You've been given breath. You've been given life. Uh, With what you've been given, the, the, the abilities, talents, skills, gifts, your job, your school, these are all tools. And when you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, they become gospel tools. Are you a tent maker who shares the gospel? Or a missionary who makes tents? Yes. Yes, you are. 
You are in the priesthood of believers. This is the call of God upon your life. Connect with people personally. Go and make tents. Use those skills to share with people right where you are. Support missions, support the church financially so that others can come in and hear that gospel message free of charge as they participate in the programs and the worship and everything. Remembering that sharing the gospel is a part of the life of every believer. It's a personal call to you from the Lord. Just as personal as our salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we are so not there. I pray, Lord, that we would become more and more there. I pray, Lord, you would remind us of the power of your Holy Spirit. That those who have striven to share Jesus Christ where they are, you would give them the strength to, to strive even harder. Lord, for those of us who haven't even opened the door, haven't even cracked that door, but just stare at it, Lord, give us the strength of heart and mind and will to remember that these are the things that last forever. These are the things that build up the treasures in heaven. These are the things that will be remembered as we look upon the faces of those who have heard the gospel from us on the other side. Lord, I pray that you would bear much fruit through this family of Jesus Christ here at Alden Union Church. Would you use us in ways we've never been used before? Break us out of our shells. Help us to live one for another, reaching out with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.